You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Don't call it a comeback. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and we've got a treat for you today. We're going to continue our off-season interview series, and this time with Nick Gelso, the founder of CLNS Radio. Nick and I have a history that goes back, maybe not quite as far as our last guest, Jeff Clark, at Celtics Blog, but nearly as far, uh, Nick Gelso, obviously the host of Celtics Late Night Show, also formerly founded North Station Sports, and somebody that I've partnered with not only now since returning after having for a four-year break from Celtics Stuff Live, but somebody that we worked with even before uh, the break that we took. So, Great to have Nick on. I think some of the topics we're going to get to is really about building a network as CLNS Radio really went from being uh, a show that followed Celtic Stuff Live's broadcast, live broadcast on Sunday night into an entire CLNS Radio network that includes multiple podcasts, not only covering sports, Boston sports, but but also uh, Beats and Eats, and so there's food and there's entertainment, so it's really become a very broad network. We're going to talk about building a network. We're also going to talk about bringing video and being on the leading edge of video incorporated into new media outlets like CLNS Radio. Obviously, Jared Weiss starting the Garden Report, and we've got some some interesting facts on that, but Jared always having represented the CLNS Radio Network beautifully, and as Nick will bring up in this interview, was really one of the inspirations for my wanting to come back and reaching out to John Duke and saying, hey, want to get the band back together? And certainly we did. So uh, it was watching the Garden Report at the very beginning of last season. Kind of got that entrepreneurial itch and the timing was right. And so that was excellent. And also we're going to talk with Nick as I sort of led into at the end of the interview with Jeff Clark, but talk a little bit about monetization, even though advice from both Danny LaRue, myself, and Jeff Clark was very much, listen, if you're going to do this, you really can't expect it to to make you a lot of money and you can't get into it for the money you have to get it into you have to get into it for your your love of the sport that you're covering the love of the team the passion to have creative control you have to have other reasons but it doesn't mean that you can't make some money at it especially if you really work to apply and and hone your craft so we're going to talk a little bit with Nick about that as well 
Just a reminder, follow CSL on Twitter. Our, our general handle for the show is at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. And my co-host John Duke is at CSL underscore Duke. As well as the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. You go to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash CLNS fans. And get our app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in the app marketplace and it'll pop right up. Finally, and definitely when we get to training camp, we'll see even more content and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash, it's not backslash, it's forward slash CLNS Radio. So definitely go there for high definition, full length locker room interviews, and of course, as I mentioned, the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. So let's get right into it. We're going to bring on the founder of CLNS Radio, and we're going to get into, again, as I mentioned, building a network, video coverage and monetization, and a little bit of his Celtics history as well. Joining me now to continue Celtic Stuff Live's off-season interview series is Nick Gelso, the founder of CLNS Radio, and of course, Celtic Stuff Live is now on CLNS Radio, and Nick and I have known each other for quite a while. And I'll just say, Nick, it's interesting because I asked you to do a little preparation for this interview. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of credit in your your running outline here to Celtic Stuff Live that I'll be quite honest with you, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when when somebody that has inspired you or motivated you, somebody you've kind of admired, hands you advice, you remember it. So I, I do remember it, and I think it's it's really important to credit you and, and John with a lot of that. I mean, you know, early on, you guys were the pioneers. So, of course, we didn't never took the approach of, of uh, chasing you. We more took the approach of kind of trying to reel you into what we were doing and kind of feed off each other, and it worked back then. Well, it's funny because you really weren't that far behind Celtic Stuff Live. I think we got going – Somewhere around 05 is when the when the show began as a podcast, right right in that 05, 06 range. But you started North Station Sports in 2008, so truly it was only a few years behind. But when you and I talked the other day as we were sort of preparing for the interview, one of the things that we discussed was the fact that there were almost like two tiers yeah. of this online presence. So I thought maybe talk a little bit about how you got involved in starting up North Station Sports and 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 maybe describe a little bit of those tiers as you see it because you have a lot more sort of clarity and, and a better outline of the time. For me, it's, it's all amalgamous. It's just <laughs> one big time period where all of a sudden I started, you know, being involved on message boards like we talked with Jeff Clark in the interview at the end of last week. And it, it really is. It's all very blended together for me. Justin, it it's an interesting story how how it was almost a mistake how I I got involved in this and now to think it's it's what I do for a living is it's kind of crazy but in 2000 well from at 21 I opened my own restaurant so from 21 to I think 27 or 28 I was just all consumed with with owning and operating a restaurant and and of course the Celtics were always on the television in the background especially you know those 2002 runs and and then it got Got ugly in the mid two thousands. Maybe I tuned out a little bit, but you know, I jumped the bandwagon in in two thousand seven eight uh, because I had gotten out of the restaurant business. It was right around that time, and 
the phone stopped ringing and and uh you know you weren't needed on a constant basis like you are when a business is is commanding your time and depression started to set in a little bit and uh, I'll never forget my mother I'm a good Sicilian boy I'm a mama's boy so my mother had given me the advice of you know you need to do something every day like it's a job so I did two things I'm not a holy roller, though I am a, a, I would think I do go to church every Sunday. But uh, one of the things I did was I went to church every single day. And people thought I was nuts, but it was a great way to get up, get out of bed, get dressed up, and go to church. Now, I hung out with senior citizens five days a week at the, at the you know, 11 a.m. mass on Wednesdays. You know what I mean? But it got me out of the house. The second thing I did was, I started to write about the, the the Celtics on Facebook, and this was like in right after the KG Ray Allen thing, uh, somewhere around there. I started writing about the Celtics on Facebook, and then graduated to Bleacher Report. And that summer, I wrote an article for Bleacher Report uh, called "Like the uh, Sad Demise of the Larry Bird Era," and something like that. And that that article exists still somewhere, and it got picked up by. A whole bunch of outlets. I never forget. It was. It just went kind of viral. If there was such a thing as viral back then, and I, a bunch of people started saying, you know, you should start your own blog. And so, simply as a hobby to kind of occupy my time, give me something to do, and and take me away from being kind of depressed of of you know not having that that sense of need constantly that you have when you own a business with the amount of employees I had. Um, I started a blog and I had, you know, 10 hits a day and, and they were my mom and me and me, me six times, my mom once and my brother twice, you know, and, and maybe one, one stranger. And that was called North Station Sports. And um, I'll never forget somewhere along the lines of, of writing for that entity, for myself there, uh, a guy named Jay King reached out out of nowhere. I had no clue who he was. And he at that time was with Celtics Town. And he said, dude, I wish I thought of that name. That's just such a good name. And I'll never forget it once I did some research on him. And wonderful things have happened for Jay, obviously. I couldn't be more happy. Uh, but, yeah, it was two tiers. So when I was in that – when I Justin, when I get into something, I don't know if it's the businessman in me or, or whatever, I treated blogging like a business, not a hobby, right from the very beginning. So I went out and I researched – uh, researched all the blogs. Um, and of course, I, I stumbled across Celtics blog the logical way. I, I googled Celtics blog, and there it was. Um, that, of course, Jeff Clark, a huge inspiration for me. I also stumbled across uh, Red's Army, and that was an interesting an interesting way of doing it. Quapt, uh, uh, who's a, we all know Quapt, Jamie Burke, who's a, you know, probably the most ravenous Celtics fan out there. And also, I think he contribute he does contribute to Red's Army now. Uh, I was wa- reading Boston.com, which is obviously another thing you would search logically if you want Boston sports news. And there he was all over every article's commentary, quapped, quapped, quapped. So I clicked on him, and it, it led me back to Red's Army. So I found Red's Army, and I thought, well, you know, this – and then I ran into Celtics Hub, and I thought, okay, well, this is the the the, the cream of the crop in the Celtics blogging you know, blogosphere. This is where I'm going to aspire to be. And this was well before podcasting. You were doing it, but you were probably the only one in the world doing it. I think you had like a science lab in your house or something um, with all that equipment. And so 
I then started to, you know, continually search the Celtics blog. I ran, ran across Greg Payne at Celtic Circuit. I obviously through Jay, Jay King reaching out, we ended up being, you know, online friends going back and forth. So there was kind of that second tier then, which was, you know, we weren't bringing in millions of hits or, you know, tens of thousands of hits, uh, but we, we had a nice loyal audience and that would probably have been uh, Jay King and, and Celtics Town, Greg Payne, Celtics Circuit. Uh, and North Station Sports, and that's that's kind of where we started. Yeah, it's interesting because that really, some of the people that you mentioned were the second tier, and obviously Jay King's had a lot of success. I think the thing with Red's Army, too, at the time was, was you know, Celtics blog. Well, it was racy. Celtics blog was, you know, and we talked with Jeff Clark in our most Great recent interview. interview way. Thank you very much. And I, I thought it was excellent because, well, first off, there's history there, just like there is between you and I, and right. and and obviously we're on the CLNS Radio Network now. But that entrepreneurial spirit and a lot of that discussion with Jeff was was around that. But John from Red's Army created this sort of anti-Celtics uh, blog. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it was it was a different place. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was intentional. Well, I think it was just a reflection of who he is. You know, John's approach right. to covering the team, but it was just interesting because I, there was a home on Red's Army for maybe some of the people Scott. on the Celtics blog community, <laughs> yeah. right? Like like the Scotsman, right. who was a regular caller to the show, right. where, you know, we talked a lot with Jeff about, you know, respect and a lot of those things. And Red's Army's evolved over time Very as well. Much but, so. but my point was, is that was a place where people could go, you know, if they wanted something that, like you said, a little more racy, Maybe there was a little more antagonistic back and forth. A little humorous. But, it was humorous and, and, and you know, I remember sarcasm. 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 Yeah, that dry sarcasm. But I remember, and I and I might be wrong here, but I, I part of this is right. I, I remember they used to expo the Celtics cheerleaders every year. And I don't, they, I know they don't do it anymore. But uh, I used to look forward to that for obvious reasons. But also it was different. No one else was really doing it. And I thought it was a just a cool idea that that uh, Chuck and and John had. They did, you know, odd. I don't want to say odd. They they took a much different approach. Jeff Clark, I think, took more of a I don't want to say AP style approach, but more of a of a serious approach towards. And there was some fun, playful stuff. But if if Jeff Clark, you know, Celtics blog was. Uh, uh, I don't know, Johnny Carson, then uh, Red's Army was Howard Stern, and it worked. Yeah, it really did. I, that's funny because I like the way that you, that shock jock radio versus sort of the the polished, I've been around, and uh, and, and and I'm still entertaining. Right. Johnny Carson still was. Still relevant. Yeah, still relevant. Relevant today, he, Johnny Carson. He's not been on the air for 20 years, you know. Yeah, still and, watch but Johnny. Show. But Johnny was, you know, the guy. You know, yep. he he had been around forever. He was an institution, and in many ways, Celtics Blog has been an institution and has been there from the beginning. So I like your comparison there. Hey, we're talking to Nick Gelso, founder of CLNS Radio. Real quick, a word from our sponsor, Fan Essentials. How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA teams merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Just check out FanEssentials.net. All you have to do 
is pick your favorite sports team. And I imagine if you're listening to this show, it's the Celtics. And every month you get team gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so that you don't have to. And each fan box comes fully packed with some amazing gear. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan. And prices start at just $34.99. But if you can uh, find it in your heart to support Celtics Stuff Live, we'll also help you. And you'll save 30% on your first month of your subscription by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. So go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials that you need. And just real quick, a reminder, Celtic Stuff Live is giving away one free month of Fan Essentials each week to our listeners. So all you have to do is retweet our show announcement with the hashtag Fan Essentials. Make sure you're following at CSL underscore Tweet Live so we can send you a direct message and you can redeem your prize. And then we're going to announce the winner after the interview on every week's show. So we're stay tuned. After we're done with Nick Gelso, we are going to announce the Fan Essentials winner for this week. Nick, I want to get to... A couple of things here, but I want to talk a little bit maybe away from the Celtics because there's some other things. You're not just podcasting or managing the network, but you also host on CLNS Radio, the Beats and Eats podcast, and you've coordinated some cruises, which is a very unique, you know, sort of the 80s rewind cruise. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think the way that you've taken this entrepreneurial sort of spirit or attitude towards developing you know, the network and towards blogging and podcasting. I think you've come up with some really creative ways to to engage your listeners in maybe a, a more unique way than many others. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I think that, and you can understand this being as long as you are podcasting, up until probably 2013, really, you, you had to be really, really creative to not only make money doing this, but but really get people's attention, I think. And one of the ways my co-host on Beats and Eats, he's a, a partner here at CL, at the network as well, is Ty Ray. And, and um, I think in around 2011, somewhere around that time, I had gotten very frustrated of managing a network with 30 contributors and trying to figure out podcasting. And at that time, Celtic Stuff Live, CLNS Radio, we were still going with the terrestrial approach. We were running commercials and not calling. It wasn't fashionable to be podcasting. It was internet broadcasting, uh, if you remember. And and I had just gotten and and also I think three or four years of covering the 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 Paul Pierce, you know, the the big three era. It got burnout of sports of of the Celtics, you know. Maybe I I I got like Doc and I I want I didn't want to do a rebuild again. I don't know. Uh, but that was before the rebuild. But anyway, uh, I decided I was either going to give it up totally and pass it on to somebody else, or I was going to go full force into it and just immerse myself into the podcast industry. Because as a po- what I would call a pioneer podcaster, such as yourself, I kind of stayed away from the po- podcast community as a uh, as they live, like there, there is a community of podcasters that have been around since 2004 or five that have just really, uh, impacted other podcasters. I kind of stayed really in the sports realm and, and was kind of into antisocial with, with those people. So I, I decided I, I need, if I was going to continue to do it, I needed to relearn the industry as it, as it was in 2011, 12 in, in that area. 
And one of the things that kept me motivated was Ty had come to me and said, you know, I was bitching to him just kind of saying, you know, I, I just don't want to do this. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I, I don't know if I want to talk about Rajon Rondo, you know, throwing basketballs at referees and, you know, just the fa- the same fans with the same BS every night. And, you know, was, people were still calling in at that point. And he said, well, why don't you take a break and let's talk about something else? And I'm like, well, what? And he, he's like, well, what do you like? I said, well, my roots are in the food industry. I guess I like food. I don't know if I, I like, I know it. You know, and he said, and I said, and I, I like music and he, and I said, and I like sports to a certain extent. I just don't want it to rule my life anymore. He said, well, what about we do a podcast about food, music, uh, and film. And I said, I don't know how to talk about those things with them on a microphone. And we laughed and the couple, first couple episodes, you could, they still exist on BTR or the app or somewhere. They're kind of awkward and funny, uh, to listen back to now, but it got me away from, the every day, everybody's talking about the same thing. Because back then, Justin, you know, the guys at Red's Army were writing about it. Celtics blog was writing about it. Celtics town, all the blogs, the major media were writing about it. You and I were the, probably the only two people really talking about it. And I got just got, got on burnout. So that was how uh, Beats and Eats started. And we launched in October of 2012 or 13. The years all kind of meshed together. August, I'm sorry, it was around August of 2013, and that was after taking about eight months to just really listen to consultation-type podcasts, introduce myself to other industry pioneers, and relearn how to how people were taking an approach to monetizing podcasts. So I came back to do the pop culture beats and eats with a new, I guess, an injection of energy in, into what, what I was doing, uh, or into the approach I was taking towards podcasting. So August, we launched in in November, December, we got notified that we had been nominated for Best Food and Wine Podcast, go figure, um, by Stitcher, which is anybody who's an Android or iOS user knows that the alternative to iTunes or the podcast app on on your iPhone is is Stitcher. Um, This was huge, and especially after being only three or four months into it. Now, we had a leg up because I did have a following in the sports realm that was just trying to figure out what the hell I was doing because I wasn't talking about the Celtics. Um, So I think we we had a leg up in a listenership, you know, right off the bat. Um, But we ended up losing. I think we were nominated against NPR, uh, the BBC, and and, uh, something else, and we ended up losing to celebrity chef Alton Brown. But gave Ty the opportunity to go out on the red carpet in San Francisco and attend the awards, which were a big deal. Podcasting had just started to really, really become mainstream. And from there, we ended up getting paid often for appearances to host events. We hosted a celebrity chef showcase that was televised in San Diego. Um, that was all real celebrity reality show celebrities from the, the cooking world. Uh, then Marriott Renaissance contacted us to host uh, – it was really an, an, an odd integration of sports and and food and, and you know nightlife where we hosted kind of like a draft – NBA draft party. This was the Marcus Smart draft uh, at Marriott, Marriott Renaissance in the Seaport District. Gr- great event. I'll never forget it, You know, being nervous if people were going to show up. And boy, did they ever. It was a couple hundred people throughout the night. And what was really neat is during right after the Marcus Smart uh, draft, the drafting of Smart, 
with uh, we had a big screen that that just dropped down from the ceiling and there was Jared Weiss via Skype uh in the uh Nesson Studios giving us a live report from TD Garden which kind of seeing everybody in the crowds expressions as that happened it, it was awesome it was showing how new media can kind of you know we were a, a small rinky dink operation that was able to do more modern things it was almost like we dropped them in via satellite which really technically it was via internet but almost the same thing and well the internet runs through satellite yeah, there so you there go. you go yeah there you go so you know we were doing creative and innovative things uh, and we've done more since then appeared at different festivals and whatnot um, we've helped to promote, we've gotten paid to help promote musicians careers. Uh, and one thing that the music industry had led us into was the eighties cruise, uh, that we hosted back in February. We promoted them for a year. We hosted some events on board and this was, well, then you met Huey Lewis, correct? I had dinner with Huey Lewis. You have to talk about the whole cruise, that whole concept. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get a bunch of people, that want to get a Celtics well, cruise going. But about I, it. A Celtics versus Lakers cruise. So there may Oh, be- that would be very interesting. Well, well, so so talk about that. Talk about how it works. Talk about your time on the Rewind cruise with Huey Lewis. And then and then maybe we'll go back into some of the network yeah. stuff and the network evolved. But I really think, you know, I, I think these since you told me about these cruises and it's a you know, it's another way to engage the audience. I just think I think people would be very interested into what your experience was and maybe what your ideas are for for listeners or fans of the NBA, fans of the Celtics or the Celtics versus Lakers. The only thing I worry about that is Fights. nobody can get off the ship, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, and I'll talk about the 80s cruise, but the idea came up on the 80s cruise. Now, this is separate from the 80s Rewind cruise, which is a kind of a reboot of the 80s cruise, which is going on in October. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the 80s cruise was 4,000 people on a Honda America cruise ship, all from, you know, not necessarily just lovers of the 80s. And, you know, there were acts from Tiffany to Huey Lewis to Richard Marks to Modern English, you know, you name it, from 80s, uh, Flock of Seagulls. There were just great bands from the 80s that were there and intermingling with, with the fans. And they had costume nights. I can't tell you how many people were there dressed as... Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, Bill Walton, Kevin McHale. No other teams were represented. Obviously, the eight, oh, Dr. J was there a couple times. Now, these were people that, you know, most people were wearing their, uh, you know, short shorts. and Well, not that those people weren't either, but they were wearing their 80s, you know, garb. And there was a good contingency of people that were sports fans dressed as Celtics, members of the Celtics and members of the Lakers, which... With those short shorts and the crimped Larry Bird hair, I mean this, and the the Kareem goggles, the knee pads on Magic. I mean, it came out as pretty funny. It almost sounds campy, but it was funny, uh, and it gave the idea. You know, Celtics and Lakers fans are all over the country, and they're ravenous. Were they? Did they have the Converse? Camp? Yes, that's that's amazing. Like you know, the Converse where you slip in the different slides to change the colors of the of the logo. Remember those? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, anyway. Uh, now I'm a I'm really a '90s boy, you know. I'm in my mid '30s. Uh, I remember '80s basketball really well because I was raised on it. But I here I am on board, and I of course gravitate towards all the NBA people. Um, but back back to the the premise of the cruise. So it's a it's a celebration of the decade, and it's concerts every night, Q and A's every day. 
um, different events with the original MTV VJs. Like you remember Alan Hunter and Nina Blackwood and Mark Goodman and these guys who we grew up watching and listening uh, to back in the, in the 80s. And now they're all on Sirius XM 80s on 8, which is kind of cool. And one of the well, our responsibility on board was to podcast and then also to grab uh, sound bites from cruisers, you know, which are kind of turn into testimonials. If you go on the Be- Beats and Eats has a free mobile app. If you go on that and search 80s, you'll see the recap where there are the testimonials that, that were provided, a, a good portion of them. Uh, we also got the opportunity to get a lot of all access stuff uh, with the artists. So, you know, one of the night dinner with Huey Lewis, just he and I, it was pretty cool. We ate pizza, uh, you know, hung out with Modern English, which, you know, Melt With You is just such an iconic song from the 80s. They were just such, they keep in touch now. Uh, Tiffany had, and she ends up being a a real, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and that she visits this area. She has roots here. She visits this area frequently, so I'm supposed to meet up with her at some point. Um, and it was a lot of fun, and it was a great experience, and it was another way to monetize without being, uh, I don't want to say accountable, because at CLNS we have a good track record of converting sales. But you're not necess- it's showing the power of podcasting beyond just selling a product. You're selling an experience. And that's well, what- see, and I think that's what really drew me to it. And, you know, before we go back to sort of the timeline around the development of the network and everything, I think it's only fitting because one of the things I talked about during the Jeff Clark interview that I was anticipating and I thought would be really good to touch upon here in having uh, you on the podcast is talking about the monetization. Because one of the things that Jeff and I talked about was that it's very interesting because while the blog may be centered on a region, the traditional way of monetizing or the traditional way of advertising, which is how most radio shows and newspapers, they're appealing to a local audience. And so they're trying to get people in through the physical doors. One of the things that Jeff mentioned was that by joining up with SB Nation, that really helped out in that endeavor quite quite a lot. And you know, my thought was that's because it's a broad network. So the network then covers not just a regional basis, but it covers, you know, not only a national, but a global audience. And then all together, the power is, okay, you know, if your product can be sold or distributed anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world, now by being part of a large network, you're able to access those advertisers. But for the regional uh, work, it's very difficult because it really is just traditional radio has had, you know, a hundred mile radius and they try to work with the small and local businesses. And that's really the big thing with the internet is that you don't really have that audience. And so everybody's trying to figure out how to adjust. And I think what you're talking about is this creative way of taking like a cruise and making it part of the experience. And one of the things that Jeff said was while content is king, Community is queen. Yeah. Well, this is, it's a great, and I think Jeff's always, I think I've heard Jeff say that before, but I think that in this scenario, when you're talking about the cruise and selling the experience, again, it's about the community. And you obviously found a large community that wanted to, that was interested in food and the 80s and, and doing something different and maybe adventurous. And plus, who doesn't like to go on a cruise? I mean, maybe people who get seasick, but outside of that, uh, I could see how that drew on 
a lot of different facets of what people enjoy in their lives. Who doesn't enjoy sunny weather? Who doesn't enjoy, you know, relaxing and having a vacation? And so you combined all those things and found a creative way to appeal to a community and uh, maybe, you know, find a way to make some money with your time. And then you became great friends with Tiffany. So, you know, that there's, that there's a bonus there too. So let's talk about the monetization of just podcasting, blogging, and talk about some of the challenges, because I think a lot of people still struggle to do this. Oh man. I mean, I think that you said at the end of the Jeff Clark interview, are we in the adolescent age of, of figuring this out? Right. Because you and I started in the you know pre-K era, let's put it that way. I, I think that we're probably in grade school. I think we're in elementary school right now. We haven't yet hit the adolescent age. Um, you're it's the- funny because I said to Jeff, I said, I, I think maybe we're in the infant stage. And then at the end, I thought, well, maybe we're the adolescent phase. So you split the difference. Well, I did. But for Jeff's standpoint, it's probably the adolescent. He's probably in, in, in late high school, maybe early college now. I think that the, for written content, you're thinking, yeah, the blog space has to college, whereas podcasting is a little bit more middle school or even the adolescent phase. It's funny because podcasters that are piped in with the sponsors are almost helping the, the good ones. Like I spend a good portion of my work day on the phone with sponsors, teaching them how to, how to measure and, and, I'll give you a great example. I was on the phone. I don't want, you know, without mentioning names, I was on the phone with the sponsor last Wednesday that'll, that's coming on board and they're new to podcasting and they're trying to figure it all out. And they're very hesitant to buy NBA podcasts in the off season. But the irony of it is NBA, as you know, now NBA podcasting in the off season, you guys used to break in the off season. We loved that because we went 12 months and the NBA off season, your numbers spike through the roof. So anybody that's launched because of less competition, yeah, correct? Less the national has, competition, but the fan base hasn't gone anywhere. They're still there, and they still want to be. That's kind of the reason for the off-season interview series that we're that you're a part of right now. Is well, how do we create content that's still interesting, but not rehashing the same conversation over and over? Which is exactly why Celtic Stuff Live used to take the off-season yeah. break. Plus. We covered just about every game during the regular right. season. Like you need an opportunity to recharge your batteries, but the decrease in competition actually gets you an increase in listeners. Correct? It's the decrease in national competition. Now I look at this year's Celtic schedule. It's it's strange, and everybody's jumping up and down for joy about twenty two nationally televised games. And though it's going to le- lower my, I'm probably not going to buy League Pass on my television. I'll probably buy broadband this year because of that. Other than that. It's a, it's a big down point, downside for podcasters um, because we we thrive when the, the national coverage is down. People need to realize, and if they really analyze their statistics the way we do, our listenership is not in the, in the New England market. Our, our core listenership is in San Francisco, Virginia. Uh, you'd be surprised, Seattle. Um, you know, if we're talking the continental U.S., not not out, out. So, I mean, obviously, we know it's huge in Australia and Italy uh, and the Asian countries. But the real core, the big bulk, Boston, Massachusetts, and and Connecticut, and the New England states probably rank in the the lower end of the top ten. And why is that? Well, because they can't get 
Mike Gorman and Tommy on a regular basis. They can't listen to Tangway piss them off. They can't, you know, get Kyle Draper and Shaw Blakely and all these guys that are on television or even better. I mean, I remember growing up, I wanted to hear the big O, you know, you, you now you could get them podcasting, but you couldn't get Ordway down in PA. Um, so where do they go? They go to, to, to the podcasting. And, and in a lot of ways, podcasters are bringing on those personalities they're reading and talk, hearing about all the time that they don't get to know because they're outside the region. So, um, you know, Sam from San Diego is a great example. You know, when, when you have uh, a Chris Forsberg on or, a, uh, or, you know, Larry from Celtic Speed has on a Kyle Draper, he's going to be sure to tune in because he hears about these people all the time and doesn't get access to that coverage. So back to the point of the story, yes, the, the, when the national coverage is down, podcasting coverage is up. We've seen some of our, now part of this is probably because of the podcast boom in the last couple of years, in the post uh, big three era, but some of our greatest ratings were during the rebuild period, which were probably the hardest times to motivate our personalities, both podcasting and the, the, the post game shows and that kind of stuff, because it's very hard to talk, but you're one of the only people who likes to talk about a rebuild. That I know. I mean, most of us want to talk about winning. It's my favorite part. I know, though. and I have and always found that it's interesting because that niche is is nice because it lines up with what you're saying. When there's less national competition, you're more likely to be successful. And the reason Celtic Stuff Live came about, or at least it's interesting because Danny LaRue said this two episodes ago and is our second guest on the off season interview series, but he said, you know, listen, find something that nobody else is doing. He's right. Figure out if you can do it well and then do it. And that's that's exactly what we tried to do, which was, all right, we know people are talking about the Celtics not very much in New England because all the other teams are better. The Celtics are on a rebuild, and quite frankly, at the time, nobody was really loving Danny Ainge. He had traded right. Antoine Walker. Right. There was a lot of negativity. The whole Patino thing really soured a lot of people because they went on this upswing where, all right, we're going to get Tim Duncan. We've got Rick Patino. We're finally going to be back on the map. And then it was just, you know, uh, a big Downer. a big letdown for the fan base. And so people didn't have a lot of faith that Danny Ainge was going to be the savior. And that's actually, people sarcastically said that. Oh, yeah, Danny Ainge is the savior. And But I found it really interesting because I like watching players develop. And if you really think about the gaming generation, which back in 2005, 2006, that's when the gamers were really coming of age. The kids that, right. like myself, my generation right. that grew up on games, my favorite thing to do, and I still, my father and my son and I still play Madden, and we draft players and then try to develop them in Madden, and we go, we've, so I think funny. we've played like 15 seasons. Here, here, that, here. that was the part that always appealed to me, and then here with the Celtics, when you and they're doing it right now again, but when Celtics Stuff Live was created, you know, we were talking about, players that some of them J.R. Bremers of the world, you know, never wind up really getting anywhere. But then the Ryan Gomes, a local kid, and you're following their development and there's a lot of discussion around what they could be or what they might be. And then you have to take it into context because the team isn't good. There's so much room for discussion. So we created a live show where people would call in and we engage the community to Jeff's point um, on the last show, Community is Queen. We tried to create a community, engage the audience, and, and find that niche. But I have always loved how the team develops. As a matter of fact, while I enjoyed watching them win championships, and I personally grew a lot the year 
2007, that 2007-2008 season when the Celtics won the championship and, you know, we did the movie and all of those things. I enjoyed that because I was growing personally. But as those years went on and the Celtics were trying to hold on to their championship status and get another one, you know, get Banner 18 under their belt, while I still enjoyed it, I didn't find it as interesting as when the team was building and making the trades just because, again, lots of competition. The storylines were established. Quite frankly, there was less to talk about. And so uh, we're back in that stage. But what I think I'm going to love about this next iteration of the Celtics is that there's always going to be young players. I don't think Danny and Zarin intend on cashing all the chips in to a point where, yeah, well, cash them all in so that they are depleted the way that they were. And quite frankly, this turnaround has been amazing. But I don't think they're going to cash all the chips in to a point where, we're not going to be able to have the best of both worlds. And that's what really excites me today is this could be a championship, you know, compete for a championship team. Even if they do do make a consolidation trade, upgrade talent, and they get to the finals, maybe they win one or maybe they're contenders every year. I still think they're going to have enough young people that there'll be this positive debate that happens around a roster that's developing and aging together and at the same time competing for a championship. The yeah, I agree, Justin. Not not getting off too far on a Celtics tangent here, but I think that it's it's almost like Danny learned from oh seven, oh eight and cashing in all those chips that he had a a window that we kept pushing open, right? But in reality it was a small window because the Celtics kind of expired right around two thousand twelve. So you're looking at really a four year window. I think today's approach, and he's got the the flexibility with the cap, obviously, in the draft picks, but today's approach is almost more like Red's approach, whereas let's build a team that can um, not just contend for a title now, but can be competitive for the ne- for this generation, for the next 10, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years, not three and four years. Um, and that that's... Which was the plan at the end of the 80s. It was just a very well, obvious... Bias, right. I mean, any, right, Len Bias, Reggie. Reggie. The way that that happened it unfortunately derailed derailed it but i think you're right i think danny's plan is very similar to that plan and trying to create some longevity and go from one generation to the next generation or or maybe the better word is iteration of the celtics more smoothly and really the turnaround since 2012 is a testament to the fact that it can be it done. can be done but danny is the absolute living proof of what that of the demise of that that era was because the Celtics had a had a very good chance even after the bias death to be able to reboot by there were a lot of trade rumors around Kevin McHale around uh Chief that really McHale in particular probably could have brought in more than Ed Pinckney and Joe Klein from a Danny Ainge trade and frankly Ainge was more valuable as being the youngest and the most and he had the longest staying power he should have stayed on the Celtics Red probably should have done the unthinkable, traded McHale, rebooted around 90 with Bird coming back from the bone spurs, reduced Bird's minutes, and now you got a Larry Bird who could play past 12 or 13 seasons. So Red and Jan Volk took a a very deliberate approach that Danny seems to be not wanting to take here, and I I like it. So back to what you were saying, though. We talked about, you had mentioned about um, Danny LaRue saying, see what no one else is doing and, and, and do the do it. Well, way back in 2000, 
nine, um, when the Celtics late night, my original show, the Celtics late night show appeared, notice no word of podcast because it wasn't fashionable back then. You guys were. Very, I think I called Celtic stuff live a webcast. You did. Toll free call in webcast. And we called it an internet broadcast. So you just didn't say podcast. It, it had that blogging connotation, you know, amateur connotation about it back then. And you guys took a very, to your programming, it was a very terrestrial approach. So you would, and I loved it. I mean, I was a, tuned in every week, every show, uh, and you guys would really talk amongst each other and keep the call lines holding and splatter in people for a minute or two, get their point across, and then discuss on that point. It had a very terrestrial approach. And that's what WEEI was doing or the Sports Hub or you know ESPN, all those outlets. So we took a complete opposite approach where you were almost the Celtics blog of – of podcasting and i cannot believe i'm actually saying this but maybe we were the reds army of podcasting where you know we scotty used to torment you guys we we said let's incorporate him we gave him a segment that way he wouldn't call in and take up our call lines well hold on not only that but you want to take that that howard stern approach remember that you brought not only did we end up coming on to the CLNS radio network just for the ease of production and offloading, very similar to the conversation with Jeff Clark about it's fun to be an entrepreneur, but you have to do everything, and sometimes you run out of time. We partnered with you, but at the same time, and this is where I'm going to make the Howard Stern and the Reds Army sort of comparison that you're drawing there, but you brought Tim Donaghy on board, and this was not too long after the scandal. Uh, It was... His first appearance on our network, it was the highest rated at the time. I think it got, and you remember our numbers back then, Justin. I mean, we were very competitive. If we got 400 400 listeners, we used to call them, what, archived listeners or whatever back then. If we got 400 listeners or hits, it was a great show. We brought on Donaghy right after he appeared on 60 Minutes. This is a a, a shout-out to Shirley Coslett, who's, a, oh, my God, a legend over at Celtics Blog. Right, Link- FL Celts fans, Daily Links, the, that's the, right. The Links lady. So she had contacted us knowing that our format was, you know, really a, a, quite different from yours and said, Donaghy wants on, pot, on, on radio shows. You should reach out. So we reached out immediately. It was almost, almost right after the 60 Minutes interview, and that episode got, like, 7,000 downloads and that that was like unbeatable that's unheard of numbers for the era for that era and the phone lines were packed i you know people were arguing with them and if you know tim i mean he's now on netflix on a on a show called uh, i think the the architect of a liar because tim is who i still remain in, in good touch with i like tim but he's a liar and uh uh he was arguing right back with the callers it was just mayhem and and we took that very howard stern approach while you guys were very, very credible Celtics bloggish, and it it worked for both of us. Um, I don't know if Corrales will love me making all these comparisons. It's pretty funny, but it, it it is very similar in that way. But we we looked at what you guys weren't doing. Like I said, we weren't trying to chase you. We were trying to almost parallel you. Well, I was going to say compliment yeah. because that's essentially 
when we came aboard the network, that was the discussion, which I'm going to tie into what's happening with CLNS Radio now as we move forward with the conversation. But I, I want to get to some other things first, but make sure that we come back to that complimentary because how many different Celtics podcasts are on CLNS Radio now, and yet we all manage to coexist very well, and it's because each one is intended to complement another and has a different appeal to the listening audience, which I think is fantastic. And it, there's nothing, you know, now there are a number of Celtics podcasts. Like you certainly, there's no shortage. Whereas when Celtics Stuff Live was generated, it was like nobody wants to talk about it on regular radio, terrestrial radio. And when you do call in, they essentially laugh you off take a couple of pot shots at the Celtics, and then you walk away not feeling really great about the team, and the fan base wants to feel good about the team, and they want to have a discussion that's centered around some level of hope. And, you know, we actually got lucky that there was reason for hope, and a championship wound up coming to town. But, you know, we could have looked a little bit, you know, the part of the fool had that not gone that way. But we're, we're talking with Nick Gelso, the founder of CLNS Radio, Celtic Stuff Live broadcasting here on CLNS Radio. As you know, we're going to go real quick to a sponsor, uh, a word from our sponsor, Audible, which is a, a new sponsor that we're very excited to have here on Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio. We'll be right back with Nick Gelso, founder of CLNS Radio. All right, Nick, so we just got done talking about, um, or maybe we just got started talking about finding your niche, being able to work it. But I want to talk about the Garden Report. I want to talk about video. I want to talk, you mentioned Jared Weiss coming on uh, at the party at the Marriott the night that Marcus Smart was drafted, and you dropped down the screen, and there he was on Skype. But video was an area that had not been touched by internet medium, not especially not with credentialed access. And CLNS Radio was the first outlet to accomplish that. And I want to just get your thoughts about how that all evolved, because I think I didn't realize this until you sent me the timeline, but Jared was only 20 years old when you sent him into the Celtics locker room with credentials. And certainly I felt pretty blessed. And Jeff Clark said, I earned the confidence for all of us to move forward in our partnership with Eric Weiss to get credentialed access to the Celtics. But, you know, here's Jared. This was a real leap of faith. And, and obviously, you know, you had established, and I don't know, did we work together when I was still with Celtic Stuff Live to get credentialed access for CLNS radio? I can't remember how that all worked. You, um, yeah. Go ahead. It start, we, our first year covering the locker room was on your credential. Um, I covered Philadelphia in 2000. I think it, it was the 2010-11 season, so I think it may have still been 2010. I remember it being fall. Um, and the Celtics usually play the Sixers early on in the season. So uh, I remember you sent me, in, in, and uh, I was a nervous wreck, and you said, just don't talk, listen. You know, And, and uh, that's what I did. And we were already working in kind of we, – we didn't join forces. Can I jump on that real quick? I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but I just know that a lot of our listeners want to learn sort of you know how – get some advice about how to start up and do these things. And, I, you know, we talked a lot about it with Danny and Jeff, but I wanted to just illustrate the point that you just said about don't talk, just listen. There's nothing wrong if anybody here ends up starting their career and getting credentialed access. There's nothing wrong with coming in and just taking a learning approach early on because even Danny said when he was covering the Warriors – 
that he went in and he didn't know where you're supposed to go. And it's sort of expected that you're supposed to know where you're supposed to be. Yep. And he wound up in some places in the stadium where maybe he wasn't supposed to and all that. that don't feel pressure early on was really my message to you. Don't feel pressure to the point where you make uh, a rookie mistake that stands out because if you just sit back and watch a little bit, you will grow into the role and figure all of that out. So that was kind of my point to you is I knew you felt like you had to produce something that you had to, when you were there, you had the weight of the credential on your shoulders. Right. And the reason we had that conversation was dude, take a deep breath. Don't even talk. You have permission not to do anything, but learn the first day you go in. And that was great advice. Cause it took the pressure right off. Uh, Forsberg met me there. And kind of walked me through. So the the well at that point it was a Wachovia Center, um, and he he you know so I didn't have to kind of scrounge around like like uh, Danny did. Luckily I had I had uh, I had already I think we we were I, I know for sure we were already on the summer forecast. We had Forsberg was on the Celtics late night show a lot of times, so he had agreed to follow me through. But I do remember in the taxi ride on the way over to the arena talking to you and you telling me that. And I've given that advice uh, to our reporters ever since. And it, it with, and it sounds almost negative. Don't talk, just listen. But no, it's not about that. It's about taking the pressure of having to make the credential produce value immediately. The value is having the, the long-term uh, use of the credential. So if you screw it up the first night, you screwed it all up, Right. So you're better off just learning. And the and the other example is I had the fortune of, of covering a team with Ray Allen. So I just, knowing Ray was great with the media, I just stood by Ray the whole time. And he just talked and talked and talked and talked. And we, we actually talked quite a bit. When the media went to the next locker, Ray kept talking and he talked to me. And, I, and those from Celtics Nation know I have a... Uh, love for Ray Allen, and I, you and I don't need to get into that because I know you don't feel the same way. But maybe that's kind of one of the reasons. Dude, he's a traitor. Yeah, Come well, on, he wasn't that night for me, and he wasn't any night after having covered <laughs> uh, the team. So in that playoff, the 2010-11 playoffs, if you remember, we the Celtics played Miami and they played Cleveland, and I pretty much moved up to Boston to cover the games for. Celtics late night show in CSL and we did combined post game shows of every playoff game and I would call in and the I think the only games I couldn't attend Toscano called in but in those games Jimmy and I became great friends because uh, he was almost a newcomer then but he was more experienced obviously than me uh, we just hung out together and and Jimmy's such a funny fun guy uh, it made it great fun and and that was the 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 heat series where the Celtics were struggling and I'm sorry, no, it wasn't the Heat. It was, who did the Celtics play? The Knicks. The Celtics swept the Knicks. Then they played the Heat in the second round. And of course, the the year Rondo, Rondo busted his arm. And I will never forget, Justin. You want to talk about um, putting your foot in your mouth? Maybe not taking. Well, it wasn't that I didn't take your advice. I was talking to fans, but I had been up in the the halo. The Ron, up from the halo, the Rondo injury didn't look quite as drastic as it was. And although they have TVs there, I wasn't watching the TVs. And you know I've never liked Rondo at all. Um, and he had a very uh, a tendency to, to often flop and be overdramatic. And, and I, at the point of him getting his elbow torn off by Dwayne Wade, I – and we want to talk about gaffes. But I looked at it, rolled my eyes, and I, I had – 
promised my nephew a Celtics jersey, which is not something you should do is go into the, the with your credential into the the sports uh, into the, the 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 pro shop there and buy buy Celtics memorabilia. But for my nephew, I do anything. I hid the well. I got I left the halo. Got on the elevator. Got off on the wrong floor. Everybody in the garden still going crazy about Rondo being hurt, and. The people in the elevator were, oh, I hope he's going to be okay, and and I still have my credential, and I said, he's a, he's an actress. He'll be fine. I get off the elevator, and they show it right on the TV on the replay. I look back at them and said, maybe not, you know, and I just felt like an idiot. So that was one of those moments, uh, but probably the highlight of that game were the post-game press conferences. I don't know if you remember that. Well, first of all, I got to sit right next to Bob Ryan by chance, which Bob Ryan is, to me, the ultimate. I mean, it was like sitting next to... You know, uh, you know, a, a journalistic god, right? So I'm sitting next to to uh, Ryan and um, KG, and Rondo comes out in the sling, and that was the game where KG, you know, transported to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in '85. I mean, he just was amazing. Uh, they gave a very animated uh, press conference. Chris Bosh came out, sat at the podium. Uh, Jeff Twist said questions. No one had one question for Bosch. She basically said, screw off, got up and left. Then Wade and LeBron come out. And this was the game where LeBron had to make a public apology because he didn't know his microphone was still on. And he, uh, an, an African lady, she actually had an African, uh, traditional African dress garb on, clothing on. She asked him if, you know, Wade's it was something to the uh, to the lines of if Wade's um pull down of Rondo was intentional and LeBron didn't know his mic was still on he said what a fuck what an effing retard and it picked it up and everybody heard it and he had to apologize the next day on ESPN and I'll never forget I will not tell you what Bob Ryan's reaction was but it was priceless priceless but I remember sitting next to Jimmy next to Bob Ryan and looking around that room and being yeah, I was kind of, you know, you're, I wasn't in awe of the players at that point because I had been doing it that season quite a bit in Philadelphia and a little bit in Boston, but I was in awe of the media. You know, learn, there's Dan Shaughnessy, there's Bob Ryan, there's Jackie Mack, there's Spears, there's everybody that we, you know, admired, we talked to on our podcasts, but never actually met. And I remember also, I'll make this quick because I'm taking up too much time, being in the the buffet line for the media, which, you know, is where the media all goes and eats prior to the game, and seeing Mike Gorman and being well more in awe of Mike Gorman than I was in awe of Garnett or or Shaq or Pierce or anybody else, and talking to Mike Gorman and him knowing who we were and just what a gentle man he was, just so nice to us. And since then, having gone back to the garden as a spectator or as media, he's never forgotten my name or what affiliation we have with, with CLNS. So uh, kudos to Mike Gorman. So there's a couple funny memories for you. That was also Shaq's last game. If you remember, they played the Superman theme when he came out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, it, funny how much time has passed, right? How many years ago was that at this point? Six years. So it's it's really crazy. And, you know, two things I want to make sure we talk about before we wrap because we're coming up on an hour and I'm notorious for, for letting these shows well, get I could talk extra forever. long. Well, exactly. And and we talk often. But mm-hmm. I want to I talk about um, the name of CLNS Radio because you keep 
uh, and you 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 remind me frequently, but you also put it in your notes that I helped you name the network. And then the other thing I do want to make sure is I I want to talk about the video and how it came about. Yeah, I didn't get into uh, that. With, with with Jared because yeah. we yeah we didn't quite dial into that. But let's talk about the naming. Uh, of the of the show, I think it's a very quick and simple sort of conversation, but I think that it applies to helping people understand also as you're getting your start how you can adjust on the fly. I think it just sort of says take what you have and roll with it. I think that's a nice theme that we can glean from the naming of the of the of the network, and then I want to talk about the video piece. Yeah, I very so quickly, obviously. The namesake of the network is the Celtics Late Night Show. The episodes still exist on the app and and in the archives on iTunes. Uh, So that goes all the way back to 2009. You could hear me be real amateur, smoking my brains out while while, uh, broadcasting. And uh, uh, anyway, so that's the namesake of the network. And as the network grew, more people – see, basically what happened, Justin, was – People started to come to us, even, you know, notable bloggers and to want to learn how to podcast. They heard us doing this. How do we do that? They thought it was so complicated. Well, now it's actually really easy. Back then it was kind of complicated, right? So we started bringing other shows on and it got to a point where I said to to Brandon, who was my co-host, we can't still call it this. It's kind of an insult to everybody else. So we were digging for a name and, and you and I ha- happened to be talking and you said, well, why don't you just – abbreviate it, you know, do CLNS. And I said, well, no one's going to know what the hell that means. And you said, what does ESPN mean? And I couldn't answer the question. I still can't. I don't remember what ESPN means. So you had a really good point there. And you said it's it's catchy, it sticks, and it's easy to type on the type on the, the keyboard. I'll never forget that. So there it is. It went to CLNS radio. Um, and from there it's, it's stuck. It's had good points and bad points. I think the bad points are we don't pick up on that SEO that Jeff Clark does with Celtics in the name or Celtics life does with them in the name. Um, uh, the, the other thing is it says radio, which is kind of the, anti- the, the opposite of what we are. We're, we're podcasting, but it's stuck over the years and it's still probably one of the biggest questions I get asked. What does CLNS mean? So it's a great conversation point and now you have it on record. Yeah, it, because you evolved. You evolved without having to change the brand. And I think that's, you know, a lot of times, even with Celtic Stuff Live, we, we had this conversation this week, but I'm like, it's not live anymore. It, yeah. But you said, no, it's live to take. It is. And I was like, well, that's true. I only make maybe one or two very minor edits, but I try to give it in its raw context and form, which is why, you know, if we roll over an hour, the show lasts over an hour. It's just, it's meant to be organic. I want to leave that, That's that live. Yeah, it is. It's part of the magic of what we always have done. And it has, it has been our niche and it's what differentiates us. And if I go in and I edit it and crunch it down to 30 minutes, I'll be like everything else. And so, you know, John and I, have that organic relationship too. And I think that's really important for the show. But to your point, we've talked about how would we rebrand this, but you really, you can't rebrand it. It is what it is and it has to grow from there and you have to find ways to adapt. So that's a an interesting example of how you can adapt your brand. If you didn't, if you weren't so smart and simple as Jeff Clark and just said Celtics blog, it is what it is. I mean, talk about, talk about hitting a home run 
like I said in that show, it seemed like a no-brainer. But Jeff, Jeff also but it wasn't a no-brainer. And Jeff also mentioned the drawback to that being blog and the end. And early on, though, the Celtics have always been very progressive in allowing bloggers and digital media into the the locker room. Most teams were not. We all remember Isaiah Thomas and that debacle in 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 uh, New York. So Jeff had that against him, where he had blog on, on there always. But from an SEO standpoint, brilliant. You know, straight and kind of Jeff's personality, right? He's very straightforward. No, very straightforward and pretty clear cut. All right, so let's wrap the interview. Let's talk about video because I think it's one of the things that is a major differentiator. I know you have a partnership with Celtics Blog, so I'll tie that up there as well. But talk about Jared Weiss at 20 years old, going in and doing that. How did you make the leap? There must have been a major financial investment to create that. Maybe you know, give us a, a quick rundown of that and how much video is impacting the new world of media because now there was a time where you really couldn't watch video on your phone right but now that you can get video on your phone i think that that is changing how people are consuming so it used to be written in audio but as the power of technology has advanced so has the marketplace for video if video hasn't already outpaced the written word and audio well the great thing too is and what's been a great and i'll get into the history here but what's been a great push for us for people who do video is that youtube now allows you to close the app and yet it continuously plays so uh though it's in video form you can listen to it on the go in your car or while you're taking a run because you could you no longer have to have the app open with the video on you could listen instead of watch which for our purposes is great because we're very uh spoken based uh on youtube but anyway 2012 was the first year clns got credentialed as clns radio and not knowing how to handle this i mean i'm I'm down in scranton uh so how the hell do we cover these games i contemplating moving up but it wasn't enough financial gain for for me to do that and i had a great job at at that point so Jared was, I wouldn't say he was the logical approach. It was a major risk, um, but he was the one who wanted it the most. And he was also probably our best writer at that time. So it kind of made sense. From a financial standpoint, initially there was no real financial burden. Uh, Jared would go to the games and record on his cell phone. So the 2012 season was mainly just cell phone recorded interviews uploaded to YouTube. Uh, Jared, I just called him a risk, but boy, did he pay, he, he lived up just like you did for Jeff. Jared has been uh, just the epitome of, of a professional in, in covering the team and has really grown his brand through it. The end of the 2012 season, SB Nation put a push on, on I, I believe, on more video coverage. And Jeff Clark being the, I mean, he's just so deliberately brilliant. I don't know if that's a, a good way to put it, but he's just so he's a master of the obvious. He, he called me and to get a call from Jeff Clark was kind of I'll never forget. It was during the off season. I'm like, what what could this be about? You know, it was kind of awesome. So I, I called him back. What's up? He pretty much said, look at, you know, I got to do more video. I don't like doing it. It's not you know, something I'm, I'm the best at. And he's open to admitting that. I think he admitted it on your show and on your episode last week. And he said, you guys are pioneers in, in what you're doing. 
and I think you'd be great. I need a a brief post game show. Would you guys want to partner up? And that's that's how it happened. Now, two, the that's a testament to Jeff, and and I guess knowing his weaknesses and finding people and letting them do their thing because he's not a micromanager. But I, I have the problem of being a micromanager at times. I'm willing to admit that he he is not. Um, Jeff Clark is is very confident in the people that he brings on board, and he's been just a a, a, a great guy to work with. Uh, but Jared. So SB Nation came in and, you know, produced a lot of the graphics and sent us a camera. Uh, I told them I don't want to outlet any money. We, Like I said, uh, the, the podcast boom of monetization didn't even occur yet. So it was a risk. So I said, look, at I, you know, I'm just not going to spend any money on this. They sent us a camera. Well, in the vein of CLNS Radio, the way, it, you know, the way, way I run things and the way Jared uh, is very – interested in production um within a couple months we decided or a couple games we decided that camera was not not to our standards it was almost like a cell phone so we invested in a cameraman and over the years we've built we've got built uh, we bought purchased a lot of lights and setting and, and lav mics and boom mics and everything else i don't even know you know what we own as far as it goes and you could see if you go to our youtube channel the evolution of the garden report now these 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 garden reports, these game coverages are really interesting because they're the only real online entity that offers you full length locker room interviews of not just the Celtics but also the opposing team. So there's a lot of stuff from Kobe and Shaq and, and, and you know a lot of the players that over the years have come to the Garden over the past five years or so. And I just want to jump in. That was really one of the beauties of the way that Jared approached that as well because. Even the people who were going in and getting audio, I mean, certainly traditional media would go get quotes from the other team and et cetera. But a lot of the new media were so focused on the Celtics. Jared's coverage and going into the opponent's locker room was really something very new for Internet media. It was. And the it was, again, a, a testament, not a testament, but I guess, a, a, yeah, maybe a testament of what Danny LaRue said. You find what everybody else isn't doing and and do it, you know, and no one else was doing that. I mean, the the beat writers would, yeah, they'd all record it, but they recorded it for their own purposes. No one, there was, as a fan from Scranton, PA, I could never find more than a minute snippet of my favorite players talking. And I thought, this is perfect. And man, it worked. And not only did it work for the general public, but now the media uses our locker room videos for embedding. They use it for transcribing. They use it for so many different aspects of their journalistic coverage, which is a tribute in itself. But a playlist, if you go to the, through the, the YouTube, the CLNS YouTube channel, a playlist is an entire game. And an entire game may be 12 videos. And an entire playlist may get 100,000, 200,000, sometimes a half a million views, depending on the game. And uh, it, it, it has worked. And it's evolved. And Jared and Jimmy have been instrumental we talk about jared being a risk i never met jared until i think two years into covering the locker room i never met him face to face so these were a lot that goes to a lot of what jeff talked about last week too where this online community was a place where he met people that he's great friends with and some of them he's never even met face to face and that has been such an that collaboration that partnership not even just as oh yeah i run the community but we work together that whole internet approach We've all met people that we've worked with. Even I can, I, John likes to bring this up when we talk about it as well, especially when we speak with Mike Gorman, because he uh, secured tickets for JB, John, and I to go to a game. 
And that was the first time we yeah. ever met. Yeah. And Mike was a big part of the reason we were able to do that. And I think we were three years into covering the team before that happened. It's amazing. Well, same thing with Brandon and I. I mean, and my co-host Ty Ray lives in Seattle. We've only met maybe three times. I mean, so that's the Beats and Eats co-host. But, um, yeah, the, the, the other side of that, though, having had Jared be my only representation of the CLNS brand with the Celtics and the NBA PR department is also been probably one of my biggest struggles not to micromanage. It's very hard to have somebody else representing you and you barely know the person representing you. Now, over the years, Jared and I have become really good friends and watching Jared grow has been probably the biggest, one of the biggest uh, accomplishments of my career is watching Jared grow. So and now we have Josue Pavone who contributes. Jimmy has been has been contributing for years. Um, Kevin O'Connor who just went off to to the Ringer. He was on almost every Garden Report this past year. So we've had some really great names contribute to to our YouTube coverage. And YouTube has become just as important as nearly just as important as the Beat series, which is like the, the Beat series: Celtics beat, Patriots beat, Red Sox beat, Bruins beat for CLNS is our gold standard, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's changed. You have to evolve with it. I like to be on the cutting edge and you have to be on the cutting edge because I don't, I figure myself not to be competing with Celtics blog, Reds army Celtics life. I think we compliment them. I, we more compete with the, the, the terrestrial outlets because we do more of a terrestrial thing in a digital world. If that makes sense, where the it, it does, but at the same time, it's not exactly where you started. No, and it's in, and what, but I will tell you that once you had that credentialed access, and that was exactly the concern that you were outlining with taking that leap of faith with somebody and the struggles with the micromanagement, which would happen. But once you had that credentialed access, it had value. Oh yeah, and at that point, you have to have a certain standard for the network and how you represent yourselves. And that's a leap of faith on for the Celtics organization or the 76ers organization. When you went there, the Knicks still don't even let anybody in. It seems like from new media as a result of some early incidences with Isaiah Thomas, and they were actually one of the first places to let new media in. And now the irony is that many, many over a decade later, Nobody's really getting in from new media, but you want to make a positive impression and then you want to hold on to that. And so you have to, again, you have to adapt and evolve to your niche and your situation. So the other thing too, Justin, before you move on from that is not being in my geography, not being in, in market of where we cover, I make a concerted effort to be in contact with Heather in Celtics PR or Brian Olive on a consistent basis, Heather and I email almost once a week on different things. Sometimes I think she thinks I'm crazy, but I know she likes me, you know, but it's very important that I keep the brand involved with the the Celtics PR as much as the personalities or the people that are developed behind the brand. So uh, that's kind of how I've gotten around or, or gotten away from that micromanagement is having a real, real relationship with the NBA PR or the Celtics PR. Uh, certain, you know what I'm saying? Well, because if something comes up, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to feed you the information and they're going to expect you to adjust professionally as long as it's not a gigantic gaffe. And that's why you don't make the big mistakes. But Nick, is there anything that we need to cover or you think that we missed during the interview as we get ready to wrap here? Is there something that you feel like we should add that 
that would bring value yeah, to I mean, not only the interview, but the listeners well, before we close. You're opening the floodgates here, Justin, but uh, I do have church in about a half hour, so I'm going to keep this somewhat brief. Uh, one thing is both your previous two guests, Danny LaRue, Jeff Clark, um, talked about passion being your number one motivation. And I've keen, I've been the keynote speaker of, of different podcast conferences where that's almost been the – uh, the 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 premise of my my I don't want to call it speech but talk in those in those atmosphere settings, passion is absolutely number one. If you set out to do this for monetization only, you will fail and you and listenership you will fail and you will fail fast. I always approached blogging and podcasting as a business, but as a um, investment in time in the future of trying to be ahead of the industry. I never ever I, – I didn't start it with the idea of getting rich, and you won't – I mean I make a living. Uh, our hosts make commission. They do what they do reasonably well, and some of them do very well. Some of them don't make commission at all because they don't want that. You know, They don't work hard towards that. They want to just podcast towards their passions, and that's my biggest piece of advice. I mean one of the biggest credits to CLNS has been – this network not only ex- existing but also growing to the levels it's had in the last 12 to 16 months with the boom in not just sports or podcasting in general but Celtics podcasts so that is because our hosts guys like you like Larry like Jared uh, you know I like the the Red Sox boys the the Bruins guys the Red Sox boys and girl the Bruins guys the Patriots guys everybody wants to be in the top tier of go-to people for their sport that they're covering because they have passion for it and or they want to move on to bigger things you know and i i encourage that we want that to happen we want to that's how you extend your relationships beyond your own network and so passion is number one you you asked about monetization monetization without giving away too much intellectual property is something that we've finally i don't want to say we've mastered but we've I could certainly write a thesis on it. I, I understand it. I have the, and that's all about relationships and developing relationships with different people who have contact with different sponsors and taking the time to talk to them. And now we have a, as you know, a large book of sponsorships. And it's also been a test in, in patience, which again, you can't be impatient. You got to be passionate. You can't be impatient. So uh, patience has been, given us the ability to be able to figure out the industry and also longevity. We have year over year numbers now, which help Uh, CLNS radio is a business. There's no question about it, but we're not just in the business of making money. We're also in the business of doing industry research to help move podcast, the podcast industry forward. And we're also in the business of molding individuals that work with or contribute to our community helping to mold, mold their brands, which you're, you've been an instrumental part in and doing the workshops that you do with our hosts. So those are two things that I feel are, are really important to touch on. Um, other than that, man, I, th- I think we've pretty much hit it all, right? Yeah, I think so. And you definitely talked a little bit about the workshops, which is, which is, uh, has been a nice, a nice thing. And before I close out the show, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. And I think, again, a very, the talking about, you know, hey, 
you can't get into it to make money, but it is possible to make money and grow, but it really depends on everybody's motivation. So let me just Nick say Jels- one more thing. There are so I consult podcasters, right? There are so many podcasters out there, and this this is starting to be a dying breed now, but there's so many podcasts out there about how to make money podcasting. And then they come to me and they say, How come I, I you know, how can I get more listeners? How come I can't make money. And I'm like, dude, you're not making any money. And you're podcasting about how to make money podcasting like that. that you're being the one thing about podcasting is, and you've mastered this, Justin, the one thing about podcasting is being true to yourself and being genuine. I mean, you could build a character. Larry H. Russell is, is, has become a character though. He's still pretty realistic to the, you know, uh, OCD obnoxious personality that he has as, as Larry off the air you really got to talk have to talk about what you're passionate about what you know and be yourself it is an intimate form of media people are listening to you while they're in the gym in the car on the taking a walk in the shower they're not listening to you um with five of their friends while slug and brews you're one on one and these people feel like they know you and the power of you being uh genuine offers the power of conversions and your endorsements because if you you're always true to yourself and the listener knows that you can sell just about anything without trying to sell it you just sell it because you love it does that make sense well yeah it does because you have to believe in it and you have to be who you are and actually as as in working with bobby manning in the early episodes of the bob asked one of my biggest things to Bobby, and, and we've talked about it every show, that that his interview with Chad Finn was sort of an inspiration for this off-season interview series. But one of the things that I told Bobby was, is find your voice. Know where your values are and stick the theme of the Bobcast around that because it will give you your center and it will help your listeners identify with you specifically and it will give your show something different than all the other shows don't don't try to manufacture something get in touch with who you are as as a host and then bring the listeners into your world your viewpoints and how you think nick gelso everybody founder of clns radio nick thanks so much for coming on the show justin it's an honor a pleasure and thank you and thank you for coming back to podcasting you have done a great service you and john duke to Celtics Nation, NBA Nation, and with these interviews, to young people who are aspiring to do what what we've done. Having you back, let me tell you, the podcast space, the Celtics space, was was empty without Celtics Stuff Live. So having you guys back has just been fantastic, and I'm so proud that I gave you the itch to come back. You definitely did, and actually, it was the Garden Report. Yeah, opening and night. Watching how, yeah, watching how you guys took it to another level, took I, took I, that I, inspiration I, and I, and raised it. And I, I I absolutely was inspired, and and that's why I wanted to come back. Also, I knew we were just, just wait, just keep that thought. I knew we were doing well when you asked me if it was green screen behind Jared Weiss. I knew we are. Yeah, because you were on the floor. Yeah. Absolutely. I knew our our cameras and our lights have lived up to the expense or, or whatever uh, because it was that good quality. So like I said, and then you got on the Garden Report this year too, which I know fans absolutely loved, and I hope that you'll do it again uh, in this upcoming season when you're in the Boston area. I have yapped and yapped and yapped. Justin, John Duke, you guys, thank you, and uh, go Celtics. Sounding old school there.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Go Celtics. I've got videos of my kids saying go Celtics when they were like, you know, four and six and nine. It's just so funny. But we are going to close out the show. Big thanks to Nick. We got to announce our Fan Essentials winner for the week, which will be at Thirsty Boots 18. So, Actually, a moderator over at Celtics Blog, so Thirsty Boots. We yes. will be sending. I will be sending you all the information so that you can win the Fan Essentials. I also want to just say one other thing as we close out the show. But Nick and I talked a little bit about um, our workshops, which are really just monthly calls with hosts on the network. And I think the the real inspiration for that again is creating a community. But obviously, on the CLNS Radio Network, the community is about the host and it's very specific it's not just fan based and it's also not just celtics based but it's all the different hosts also arts and entertainment sports different 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 verticals but at the end of the day one of the reasons and the inspiration for that was not everybody to nick's point is doing podcasting for any kind of money at all some are doing it just for a love so understanding everybody's motivations and trying to learn from each other is one of the reasons why we developed our our monthly call at slash workshop that i've really enjoyed getting to know everybody and it's really in its infant stage but i think as networks continue to grow it's what value can the network bring and i know the clns radio network brings Celtic Stuff Live, uh, a huge value. Real quick, as a reminder, as we close out the show, the broadcast will be available on demand at the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow John and I on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke as well as the Twitter for the entire show at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review because your feedback is very important to us. And as a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Fan Essentials and Audible.com. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you'd be supporting Celtic Stuff Live and the entire CLNS Radio Network. Big thanks to the loyal CLNS Radio audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder and our guest on this show today, CLNS Radio's founder Nick Gelso and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.